just bring her safe. Well, I'm not Kelly, um, obviously. Uh, he had to be out this week. I'm not, I don't remember what the reason was. Um, I thought it would have worked out really well if Philippe and Annalie had been there this week, but um, anyway, it worked out. So, um, so I'm going to be, we're going to be looking at, if I can get it to cooperate. Yeah. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and um, we'll kind of see, see how we do with that. Um, my wife and daughters are out of town this week. They, they just left yesterday and went to, flew up to New York to see Heather's mom. So um, I'm a little out of sorts. I'm like, I'm not sure how to, how to react. So um, I'm going to have to recruit somebody else to be my, my critique because Heather's my, you know, my most honest uh, critique of, of how I did. So um, Porter, I may... I may uh, <laughs> All right, well, let's pray, and uh, then we'll read uh, some of this and get started. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this um, time that we get to spend looking into your word. I pray that you would be honored and glorified by what is said here this morning. pray that you would speak through me and speak through each one of us, that our hearts would be um, in tune with you, that our um, desire would be to please you and to hear from you. And uh, we thank you for your word and for your Holy Spirit that enlightens it for us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so we're going to go ahead and read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verses 10 through 17. Starting in verse 10. Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree... And that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now I mean this, that each one of you is saying, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, and I am of Cephas, and I am of Christ. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one would say you were baptized in my name. Now I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. So, are there divisions in the church? There are. Why do you think there are? What's the root of it? What's that? We're fallen. Okay. What does that lead to? Huh? Pride. Yeah. I think that that's really the root of our, of our dissension and our, our disagreements on things. What are some things that we allow to divide us in the church? And I'm not necessarily talking about the local church. Sometimes it's the local church, but also the universal church. What are some of the things that we allow to divide us? Skin color. Skin color. Yep. Baptism. Baptism. True doctrine versus the way of the world. Okay. 
true doctrine versus just following with the world, taking the easy path. What else? Upbringings. Upbringings. Yeah. All kinds of different things that we allow to, that we allow to divide us. Um, there's a lot of doctrinal differences. Uh, a lot of things that, that we make maybe sometimes a bigger deal than they should be. Sometimes we don't make them as big a deal as they should be. Um, there's a podcast that I listen to real regularly. And at the end of their, if they're interviewing somebody, they'll ask these 10 questions. And um, they're just, some of them are kind of goofy and some of them are kind of, you know, funny and some of them are more to the point and, and some of them are kind of insightful. But one of the ones that I've kind of gotten to where it bugs me a little bit is, are you Calvinist or Arminian? I'm kind of getting to where I hate that question. <laughs> Why would it bother me so much? Why does it bother you, Jay? Because it divides unnecessarily. Yeah, are those the only two options? Yeah, and that's what it sounds like when you ask that question. Are these the only two ways you can think? If you're a Christian, you must be one or the other, right? It's kind of the way it comes across. Um, so I'm going to camp on this a little bit this morning because it kind of bugs me. And so um, one, of the, one of the problems with, you know, Kelly asking me to fill in for one week is that if something's bugging me, I could actually camp on that a little bit rather than going through a whole book and the Lord... So. It, Hopefully, I'm not too off base on this. If I am, you guys correct me. Um, but um, what happens when I choose one side or the other? You're ostracized by another group. Okay, you're ostracized. Or I think you have to defend your uh, position, uh, maybe to extreme Right. You have to, you feel like you have to defend it. Karen, were you going to? Exactly. Yeah. So as soon as I say I'm in one side, or I'm in one camp or the other, I've got to take a side. Why is that? Because I'm human. I'm human and I have this need to be right. I need to be able to justify my position. I need to believe I'm right. And I need to be able to, I need to understand and be able to articulate and tell the other side why they're wrong. Does that sound true? What if we're both wrong, or at least we're not both 100% right? Am I wrong to say there are two sides? Are there only two sides? No, there are not. Um, so when we claim this is the camp I'm in, this is what I believe on this issue, we tend to focus more on defending our position than maybe listening to what our Savior may have to say. So I think that's, for me, that's the issue with the label, is that the label means, okay, this is the camp I'm in, and now I have to be able to articulate what that camp believes. And I have to be able to defend it. Um, and as I'm defending it, I become more and more adamant about that. Um, 
And if none of us have it 100% right, then we all need to be willing to listen, certainly, to our Savior. Um, But if I'm so busy defending the five points of what some guy wrote down, I may not be listening to my Savior. I'm, I'm taking one side, it could be the other side. But we can miss the still small voice of God as we're being adamant about this thing. And it comes back to pride. It comes back to, I need to be right. In verse 10, Paul says, that you may be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. What mind and judgment are we supposed to be united to? Yeah, the mind of Christ. Is it good to know what you believe? Absolutely. Is it good to be able to explain it to others? Absolutely. Is it good to be so resolute in what you believe that you won't listen to anyone? Even God? No. Um... First Peter chapter 3, 15 to 16. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account of the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. And keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. What's the focus? Christ. And what's the focus as we're talking about others? Or talking to others, sorry. Christ. The hope that we have in Christ. And we do it gently. When you're arguing, are you generally gentle? No. Usually when you're arguing, it's, you know, I've got to... I've got to get my point across, and I've got to convince, and I've got to make my point. Um, we do need to be able to, we do need to know what we believe. It's important that we know what we believe, and we do need to be able to articulate it, but not to win an argument. It's so that we can persuade others of the amazing gift we have, the hope that we enjoy in our relationship with Christ. So what are the benefits of being able to say, I'm a Calvinist or I'm an Arminian? Well, it's easier because it, it, it says a whole group of... of uh, doctrines. Doctrines, yeah. yeah. Instead of saying... Let me, let, me, let me spell out for you what I, you know... Yeah, it, it kind of... It, it, Again, it helps me to go, okay, well, I know what Camp Tom is in because he said this is what he is. So it, it, it kind of helps me know, okay, well, he, he believes these general things. And what's that? Don't bring the rest of the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, you'll hear people say, well, I'm a three-point Calvinist or whatever, you know. Um, I read a book uh, a couple of years ago, and 
I think one of the other elders recommended it. And it was basically, you know, the guy was making a point that Calvin had no place for a three or four point Calvinist. If you were a cow, you know, he was like, you're either all in or not because it all builds one on the next one. So, um, but what it does when we do those things, um, if you claim one or the other, then I know what camp to put you in. Mine or the other side. If you're not in my camp, then what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to argue with you and convince you that you're wrong, right? Um, I'm supposed to argue to get you to see things my way, and if you don't, then what? It tends to break down relationship. We can't be friends, or if we do, and this I've caught myself doing before, is we'll still be friends, or we'll still be family, or whatever, but I'm going to pick at it, right? What is the purpose of the argument? It's to make me feel smarter, more superior, holier, etc. All those things. Those are, those are the point of the argument. You know, it's just like Jesus did. Not. <laughs> that was a joke. Um, it really comes down to, I need everyone to know that I'm the smartest guy in the room. So it becomes about me, not about the other person. Here in what Paul said, yeah. Yeah, not at all. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. He says, though, but we need to contend earnestly for the faith, which was um, handed down once for all to the saints. Right. So there, there's clearly value in knowing doctrine, to know yes. what's going on. Um, but um, I love the Westminster Shorter con um, Confession where it says, what's the chief end of man to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Right. That, we should, that, that should be our common salvation, the enjoyment of God, and to glorify God, um, and not to beat one another up, to, but to go for the hope that you've got in your mind there, to keep that in mind, right. I guess. Yeah. Because, but we do need to contend for the faith. And it's a balancing act. Yeah. And it's not, we are not as human beings good at balance, right. you know? I, th I think that's an excellent point, and I think the gentleness and reverence is really pointing to love. Right? So the goal should not be to get somebody to get on your side because you want to win, right. but to communicate with, with them in love so that they belong to God. Right? right. The goal is for them, not for you. Right. Yeah. So I agree with you 100%. I think it's, a, it's extremely important that, that, we, that we focus on truth. Right? Yeah, Karen? Exactly. Right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What is my motivation? And I think that's a good question that we can ask is, what is my motivation in this discussion? Is it because I need to prove myself that, you know, sometimes it's because we're not as convinced as we think we are. And so we're like, if I can, if I can make the argument, then I can prove to myself that I'm right. So I, I think the other thing that's important too is to remember that 
uh, God is beyond our comprehension. Right. And do so with humbleness. Right. You know, because when we start to get on one particular denominational thing, right. You know, the focus is on human intelligence, and we think that we comprehend that God is under our understanding, right? As opposed to recognizing that God is beyond our capability. Which comes back to pride. Right? Now, we should be always in an attempt to apprehend him, to know sure. him, right? And to know him fully, right? But it, not with an expectation that we're above God, that somehow we can... It comes with it comes with the humility to say, I am pursuing God. I'm pursuing the knowledge of Him. I'm pursuing knowing Him better every day, yeah. knowing that because He's infinite, I'm never going to get there. But it's that humility that says, I want to pursue Him, knowing I'm never going to get there. Dan, I'd like to read the last four verses in the Bible. Okay. Warn everyone who who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. Anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. If anyone takes what takes words away from this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it's very important. Uh, many times it's very important. On the basis of this. I didn't follow you completely. Sometimes what's very important. Stand up for truth, I think. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. Standing up for truth is absolutely imperative. But it, it comes down to our motivation. You know, what is my motivation? Is my motivation to, you know, I care about this person and, and, and is this doctrine that they're believing in, is it taking them away from Christ? you know, rather than to Christ. Sometimes silence is cowardice. That's very true. I think oftentimes it is. Um, the other thing you said earlier too, Jeff, about I think it's really being open-minded, recognizing that you, that there is a possibility that you're wrong on Exactly. Things, right? I think that that's important, but then there are certain things that you need to be absolute about in trusting God. Right. In the goodness of God. Yeah. Right? Things like that that are just absolute. Yeah, yeah. There are, there are certain things that, and that's part of understanding things that are a little more ancillary and things that are critical. You know, okay, if you're talking about Jesus being, you know, he, he wasn't really God's son, we got issues there. You know, but there's certain things that it's like, okay, we can't go. Uh, Amy? We can't be afraid of people right. questioning things because sometimes it's part of the journey. Yeah. Right. And it's okay. And that's okay. Right. Exactly. And and part I think oftentimes the reason we're not comfortable with that is because we're not really sure. And so I think we have to be able to be comfortable saying to our kids on certain things, I don't know. I'd be happy to go down that road with you and let's explore it some more. Um, you know, but I think as I understand the character of God. There's a lot of things that I can say, and again, going back to, we're never going to understand it all, you know, but if I understand the character of God, if I look at the cross and I see what Jesus did, what God sent his son, then there's a whole lot of things that I can understand about God based on that. 
And so when, you know, well, what about this over here? You know, what about this over here? Okay, let's take it back to the cross. Let's talk about what Jesus did, and then we can probably start to figure out the rest of that. Um, let me get back to um, in, the, in, the, in these verses where, you know, they're saying, I am of Paul. Well, I'm of Apollos. Well, I'm of Peter. <laughs> I'm of Jesus, you know, which is like in the, the, what the kids would say. It's, you know, the mic drop, boom, we're done. I just owned you, you know, because, see, I'm getting the, the young guys here. They're, they're like, yeah, I get that. Um, <laughs> it, you know, I won the argument. Because I just, I, you know, I just trumped everybody else because I said I'm of Jesus. Um, therefore, I, I must be the smartest guy in the room. But what does Paul say? Christ didn't send me to baptize. There's nothing wrong with baptism, but it won't save you. What will save? What's he talk about in verse 17? He sent me to preach the gospel. He sent me to preach the gospel, the simple, straightforward good news that Jesus Christ came to earth. He lived a perfect life. He laid it down willingly, took it up again so he could save sinners like you and me. That's the, that's the crux. That's the important part. I like how he adds there, not with eloquent yes. words, yeah. uh, but it's really with you know, the foolishness of the cross, you know, so that it's not man who's glorified Yes. But it's God who's glorified. Exactly. You know, yeah. I, I think that's... And we're going to get more into that in that next section, talking about the foolishness. Um, you know, so Jesus sent Paul to preach the gospel. He sent Paul, Apollos and Peter for the same reason, not to argue about what chosen means. Um, you know, how does that draw you closer to Jesus? How does arguing over whether anyone can be saved or only elect can be help you to fulfill the Great Commission. How do those things change? You know, going into all the world doesn't give us the leeway to decide to preach the gospel to some and not to others. You know, so you can argue about this or that, but the the command's pretty clear. What's that? Absolutely. And sometimes we spend so much time arguing about those things, whether you can lose your salvation or not, that we lose focus on the gospel. We lose the the fact that Jesus Christ came to save us. You know, let's walk in that rather than trying to figure out, can I, you know, can somebody lose their salvation or not? It's it's that whole idea of, you know, there's sin over here, so I'm going to, how close can I get to the sin? You know, no, let's turn turn and let's look at Christ. Let's not look at the sin. Let's focus on him, not on, on what's over there. Um, personally knowing Paul, Peter, Apollos, or even spending time on earth with Jesus, even being baptized by him doesn't save, nor does it make you a better Christian. Repenting and acknowledging Christ as your Lord and Savior, believing by faith in his completed work is all that will save. And walking in faith with him day by day, dying to self, allowing him to live through you is how how we know we can please him. So being a Paulite, being a Peterite, an Apollosite, or even a Jesusite will not get you to heaven, nor will it make you any holier. It won't get you any closer to God. Neither Calvin nor Arminius can save you, nor being aligned with any other human being 
What the world needs is not Calvinism or Arminianism, neither does the church. What we all need is the truth of the gospel. We all need that every day. Yeah, Ann? There's an old saying, uh, unity and essentials, you've probably heard this. Mm-hmm. Liberty and non-essentials and charity and all things. Yeah. And one of the things I've learned is um, to ask questions. Yes. People to articulate. Yes. Yeah. But I've, I've actually changed people's minds by asking sort of leading questions. Right. It causes them to think. If you want an example of that, read the Gospels, because Jesus did a lot of that. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Um, yeah, so are there essential doctrines that we should not co- compromise on? Absolutely. Know what you believe. Be able to expound what you believe, but do it with gentleness and respect not to win an argument, and don't get pulled into arguments over nitpicky stuff. I would encourage us all, when someone is trying to draw you into an argument about what you believe or smaller issues, when you're trying to determine which side of the fence you're on, um, they're trying to determine which side of the fence you're on um, so they can argue with you or they can um, congratulate you for being on the right side, um, bring it back to the gospel. Bring it back to Jesus and what he did. What is the gospel to you? Let's move on. We're going to read verses 18 through, uh, through 25. Hang on just a second. Um. 18 to 25, for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greek, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men." Did, uh, did Paul change the subject? I don't think so. I think he's continuing the thought. Pride is what causes us to claim to be in one camp or the other, to pick sides. So how does, how does pride hamstring the believer? What's he talking about here? Okay. When you're... When you're proud, how do you feel about looking foolish? You don't think about it. What's that? You don't think about well, when you're proud, I think you do. When, you, when you're proud, you're unwilling to, to look foolish, right? So when, you're, when, you're, when your function is, I've got to look good, I've got to be good, well, I can't look foolish. Um, Right. And, and his point here is the, the gospel is foolishness to the world. 
It's foolish. It doesn't make any sense. Um, do you look foolish to the world? You should. Yeah. That should be our hope. If, if not, we may need to examine ourselves, our actions and our motivations. Am I willing to look foolish? Um, what does the world value? Worldly stuff. Like? There's tons of them. Yeah. Wealth. What's that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, wealth, fame, prestige, honor, being noticed, being somebody, being esteemed in the eyes of others is a big part of it. Whatever that takes, they're willing to do to a large degree. Um, what are some of the things that as believers we should be doing that look foolish to the world? Uh, spread the gospel. Okay, spread the gospel. What's that, Penny? Uh, loving, your enemy. loving your enemy. Serving. Serving. Yeah. Forgiving. Dying, dying to self, giving, tithing. Why in the world would you give your money away? So in a nutshell, what is the world seeking? I think it's glory. I think it's to be at the top of the heap. I think that's pretty much what it comes down to. Now, if you boiled it down, what should we be seeking? What did Jesus seek? To glorify the Father, right? In all things, to, flo- to please the Father. How did he do it? By being obedient. By giving his life away. Have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not, re- did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus gave his life away. Paul also had a similar attitude. Keep getting something popping up on my. But I do not consider my life as uh, do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify solemnly of the gospel of God. That's the attitude we should have. We should be giving ourselves up. There's nothing that I have that I can't give up, including my pride, including my stuff. We should be giving our lives away. We are to be conduits. Jesus is pouring into with himself. He should be spilling out onto those around me. I should be full, and it should just be splashing on anybody who's coming in, in contact with me. Is the gospel foolishness to the world? Yes. yes. To the majority of the world, that is true. To those who are being drawn to Christ, it is not. It is not foolishness. It begins to resonate in their hearts. And that's why 
we've got to be willing to say the foolish things. Because, yeah, there's going to be plenty of people who will ridicule us. But there's a few who need to hear. And if we're not willing to be foolish, we're missing the opportunity. And we're missing what we were called to do. When non-believers hear Christians arguing about the ancillary matters, is that likely to draw them closer to repentance? No. But if we're afraid of being seen as foolish in the eyes of the world, we will not in the eyes of the world, we also won't share the gospel. We may in fact keep ourselves busy arguing with one another so that we don't have to look foolish to the world. And instead attempt to look wise and smart to our brothers and sisters. So the question comes down to how foolish are you willing to look? Is it worth the soul of one potential brother or sister in Christ to look foolish to the rest of the world? What are we living for? All right, we're going to go ahead and read the last of this, um, which some of my favorite verses because it... All right, verse, verse 26 at the end of the, end of the chapter 1. For consider your calling, brethren, that there, are not many, there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong, and the base things of the world, and the despised. God has chosen the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Those are some of my favorite verses. You know why? Because I'm not that much. And none of us really are. But in Christ... He is the wisdom. He is, the, he is what this world needs, and he's living in us. What a wonderful, amazing, beautiful thing that he chooses to use us to reach those in this world. In ourselves, we have nothing to boast about. John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. But he chooses to use us. What an amazing, glorious thing. Everything we have, we've been given. We can't claim any of it. The, those in the world can't claim it either. You know, they will. They'll say that, you know, I've worked for all this. I've done these things. I've gone to school. I've learned these things. But we know that apart from Christ, apart from God, none of us have any chance of knowing anything, being anything, having anything at all. So... I didn't wrap this up real well because I was kind of in a hurry getting this done, but um, that's pretty much what I've got on this. Any other last thoughts before we finish up? We've got a few minutes. Tom? Well, it was a telling verse here for us, or for me, in uh, uh, Romans 14, starting in 5. One man regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. Each man be convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord. He who eats does so for the Lord. He who gives thanks uh, does so to God. 
And uh, <clears throat> so a couple of things that come out of there for me is, yes, it's a good thing God wants you to be convinced in your own mind. Right. Another thing is God accepts that I think uh, one day, Christmas Day, is more important than some other day. Right. But some other Christian believes that every day is a lot. Yeah. Um, so God accepts our different theologies and stuff. I don't have to say. Now R.C. Sproul understands that paedo-baptism is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for whatever reason, right. God seems to allow people to, what I would consider an important doctrine, to differ on that. Right. Yeah, and, and I'm required to be convinced in my own mind and to respect my brother. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully be be checked by uh, scripture. I could just read scripture and oh, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. And and understand that my brother's on a journey. He he's he's seeking the Lord. I'm seeking the Lord. We've come at it from different angles because we've come at it from different places in life, right? So I may have grown up in a Christian church or Christian home and, and gone to church all my life. This guy may have been a drug dealer and, you know, he's come. And so his perspective is a little different. Truth is still the same, but God doesn't, God doesn't dump everything on us all at once and say, okay, here, you got to have it all, Right? You, you either, you know, figure this out right now or you're done. He doesn't say that. Um, and so, yeah, we, it's, it's having a little grace, having a little charity of saying, you know, I disagree with you on that, but I love you. And, you know, I, I don't need to get in an argue with you, argument with you about it. You know, we can talk about it and, you know, enjoy one another's company. Um, so, yeah. Yes. Without knowledge that people perish and there are, like like Linnell was saying, there are times when and my dad was saying there are times when a person must be ready to stand alone yeah. to give an account for their faith in the right. in the face of opposition. Yeah. And there are times when we must be willing to be content to be convinced in his own heart. And the Holy Spirit is the one that's giving guidance. Yeah. I know I've said it a bunch of times, but one of my favorite parts of the line, Witch in the Wardrobe, and, and those stories is Lucy, the number of times that Aslan says, you know, she sees him, nobody else sees him, and it's clear that she's supposed to follow him. But nobody else saw him, and nobody else is following, and so she's like, I'm, I'm, going, with the, I'm going with the group, you know. Um, if, if the Lord has convinced you of this thing, then... Yeah, you need to be walking with him. You need to be open to the fact that you may have misunderstood, you may have heard incorrectly those things, but you know, it, it comes down to humility. You know, am I willing to walk humbly with my God? Listen, pay attention to what he's saying and not be, hey, this is what I believe and, you know, um, it's kind of funny though because I think that there's Humility, but there's also courage. Right? Yes. And those things don't seem to go together, you know? 
But I think in but the, they do. By the same yeah. token, Lucy, in your example, needed, there's a courage that's yes. required to not just go with the group. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. There's that humbleness towards the fact that you're not going with the group. Right. You can't just be proud because you're not going with the group. Right. But there's also a courage that that is required. That's required. In order Absolutely. To not just go with the group. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I'm sitting here thinking as you're talking, and I think, you know, uh, there are a lot of people who don't like any what-do-you-think questions right. in Bible studies. And the usual reason is it doesn't matter what you think, it's what God thinks. Right. And, and I agree with that. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Except I think that the value of the what-do-you-think questions are is that it exposes areas where you have an idea in your head that is not based on the truth right. of God. Right. And I think that's the value of having the discussions about some of the things that you're talking about yeah. is because sometimes the idea that you have in your head about why something is this way or that way is not based on Scripture. Right. It's based on an understanding that you have from the world and logic and reason. And I think you're upbringing any number of things. That, right. Right? And yes. So I think that, it, it, that you know, I, I totally agree with you it's not about being right or wrong. Right. It's about it's about uh, it's about um, learning who God is, so that your faith is even stronger. Right. You know. Yeah. That's 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 the value of having right. the discussions. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Any last thought, Jay? Yeah. No, I said Jay. Yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, there's this, um, people that end up writing books on a certain point of view. And then once they write a book, you know, they're really invested in this. That's thing. true. Yeah. So they seem to get even more locked into that. Right. And then you get these people that read these books. Then you go to a Bible study and, you know, they throw out these questions. And then you ask, well, where did you get this? Idea? Well, I read this book. Right. And then you got that whole, well, you, I, I don't know, you know, yeah. it seems like if you're writing books and you're uh, promoting books, that may or may not be... You, if you're going to be writing a book, you better make sure that it was the Lord that told you to write a book and not just, I want to write a book. Yeah, I mean, nothing wrong with books. Yeah, but, a lot of good books out there. But we need but, to be in Word. Yeah. 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 Agreed. All right. Dan, would you pray for us? Thank you. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Help us to live by your word, I pray. Thank you for this class this morning. Thank you for teaching on this subject. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Yeah.